You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 693 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live from State Farm Arena. And uh, as always, please forgive any background noise, but I am back where I was during this game and a very interesting night at the office here with the Hawks losing by a final score of 122 to 115. We will have a deep dive on the game momentarily, but before we get to that, do, do have some news to catch up on on this podcast. Um, first of all, probably the biggest news I would say since the last game took place on Monday night was that Jabari Parker is going to be out for a little while. Jabari Parker underwent a non-surgical procedure on his right shoulder on Tuesday morning. The Hawks then announced on Tuesday afternoon that he's going to have a, um, basically a two week plus timetable. He's going to be re-examined in two weeks. Uh, Lloyd Pierce was asked a little bit about that even tonight and basically said, we're not going to know anything else until he comes back for re-examination. So uh, it's always important to stress this and I always make sure that I do. Re-examination and return are not the same thing. And uh, from the looks of it, from the sounds of it, I would be surprised if Parker was back in two weeks. I think it might be a little bit longer than that. So uh, at least two weeks that Jabari will be out on the shelf. And uh, that means at a minimum, he's going to miss seven games, probably even more than that. Um, of course, starting with the game that I just witnessed here uh, on Wednesday night. Um, Parker is averaging pretty good numbers this season, 15 points, 6 rebounds per game, and 56% uh, true shooting, which is slightly above league average. Um, he has missed five of the last six games, though, and has been uh, limited, apparently. Um, Lloyd Pierce did say that Parker has been dealing with the, with the shoulder injury before he even started missing time. And uh, with John Collins back in the lineup, his role was also a little bit smaller than it was when Collins was actually on the shelf. So uh, all that to say, the Hawks did miss. Parker in this game, they do they definitely miss his offensive skill level, offensive talent, but uh, we'll see how they function without him in the near future. Of course, the $6.5 million player option for next year is looming for Jabari. We'll be interested to see how he responds here, how uh, how many games he can play at the end of the season, etc., because that's now definitely up in the air. It always was in the air to some degree, but if Parker is battling and not playing well or is injured, he's more likely to opt in. Of course, that's something to keep an eye on looking ahead. Um, the Hawks are also pretty shallow at backup power at four right now, with only Vince Carter really as an option there. They also have the small ball um, options. Of course, they used DeAndre Hunter in the game that we'll discuss later on in this game, and they have been using John Collins at center a little bit more. But when they go traditional um, against bigger teams, it's basically Collins and then Carter. Um, Bruno Fernando would be an option. He missed this game, and we'll come back to that later on. Um, he's more of a center, though, obviously. It's kind of a big lineup. It's, I would say intentionally when they go to Bruno at the four. So not a lot of depth there, and that's when everybody is healthy and available, which, of course, there's going to be injuries along the way. So could result in more calls at the four. Um, obviously, he played a lot of five in this game because of the matchup, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on. But they're going to miss Parker. How much they miss Parker is up for debate because of uh, his defensive limitations, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the more talented guys in the front court, so we'll keep an eye on his status moving forward. Um, other... Newsy items from this week. Chris Haynes of Yahoo reported that Trey Young is expected to accept invites to both the skills competition and the three-point contest at All-Star Weekend. Young was asked at practice. I was not there, but I was uh, you know, reading the tweets from Kevin Chouinard and Ben Ladner and Sarah Spencer, Chris Kirchner on this, and uh, he was asked at practice on Tuesday. Trey was not fully committal. He did seem to be open to any invite that he actually gets um, formally, but uh, of course the, the reporting was about skills and three-point contest. He was in a skills competition last year, actually finished second to Jason Tatum in a uh, in sort of buzzer-beating fashion last year, but the three-point contest would be definitely a new one for Trey. 
And by the way, Young coming into tonight was shooting about 38% from three on nine plus attempts per game. So that's definitely worthy of inclusion in that particular uh, contest. So we'll talk about that more when it happens, if it does happen. And uh, because of Rising Stars competition, which he is obviously eligible for and the All-Star game, it is possible that Trey Young could play and all could participate in four of the five events, basically, um, on All-Star weekend, going from Friday with the skills competition, sorry, the Rising Stars, to Saturday with skills and three-point, and then Sunday with the All-Star game. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. He has not been formally invited to anything publicly at, at this point in time, but obviously this, the um, Rising Stars is an absolute lock skills, same thing. Three-point three three contests, there's no reason to think that he won't be invited based on the reporting. And the All-Star game, of course, is something, sep is something separate, but... We'll see. Trey, Trey's going to be busy in, in Chicago, it feels like, uh, in February. So I want to at least point that out as that news broke earlier this week. Also on Trey, real quickly here, the Hawks announced on Wednesday that Young partnered with RIP Medical Debt to relieve money in past due medical debts for Atlanta residents who couldn't pay them. He donated some money, about $10,000, it says, through his foundation for a relief. And with the work done by the, by the company that he partnered with, the release actually indicated that the uh, money that he donated will actually relieve more than a million dollars in medical debt, which is pretty impressive. I'm not a huge... Uh, talk about the off-court off court stuff guy on this podcast, unless it impacts basketball, but a pretty cool thing done here by Trey Young, so I wanted to shout that out a little bit because it's uh, you know not every day that something like that is able to happen, so shout out to Trey Young for uh, giving back to the community, all that fun stuff. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll tackle a couple more uh, non-game kind of topics on a mailbag podcast that I'm planning to record on Thursday, and that'll be up for Friday morning, but... With that said, we will get to the game momentarily. I do want to talk to you about the good folks at MyBookie, though, before we get to the game recap. And between the NFL playoffs, the NBA, and college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and join the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet anywhere this season, do the smart thing. Go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Are you tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game itself. If you hop on board right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. If you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 of free money to play with if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Take advantage of this very, very generous offer from MyBookie to sign up. Visit MyBookie.ag using promo code LOCKEDONNBA. MyBookie.ag using promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, and we're back to talk about the game itself here. Plenty to talk about with a 122-115 to 115 loss at the hands of the Rockets. The Hawks, the Hawks, by the way, if you missed this one earlier on in the season, they lost by 58 to the Rockets on the road in Houston. James Harden had 60 points through three quarters in that game. So uh, coming into the game, there was plenty of reason to be skeptical that the Hawks would be competitive. None of that slowed down in the first quarter when the Hawks got blitzed in a big way. And of course, without Bruno Fernando, who's away from the team for personal reasons, um, and Jabari Parker, they were shorthanded in this game as well. It should be noted that Russell Westbrook missed the game for Houston, although I'm not sure that actually makes them worse. Lloyd Pierce didn't say that specifically, but he definitely talked about the fact that they're almost harder to guard without Russell Westbrook in this spot. I, mean, I, would, I, would, I would probably agree with that, to be honest with you. And then uh, coming into the game, the Hawks played a small lineup with John Collins at center, which we'll talk about more on the podcast as we go here. But before we get to the actual, you know, my analysis of the game, I wanted to play for you the intro to Lloyd Pierce's post-game press conference. He sits down um, before, after, sorry, after games and basically um, says an opening statement of of sorts before uh, hearing from the media and the questions that usually come in for him. But tonight it was pretty uh, wide ranging and I wanted to play it because I, th I thought it was pretty interesting and pretty informative to the way that he was thinking after the game. So here's about two minutes. It's kind of long, but so my apologies on that. But I think it's pretty interesting and worth playing for you guys. So here's what Lloyd Pierce had to say before any question was asked after the game. What do you say? Um, a great effort for our guys to come back a couple times in the second half. 
Um, you know, first quarter, they, they shoot it well. James gets to the foul line at will and has a James Harden quarter. I think our guys from there did a really good job. Um, three for 20-something and then from that first quarter for James was credit to our guys and adjusting the game plan and getting organized and just making, them, making it hard for them on that end. Um, I thought we, we missed a lot of opportunities in the first quarter with some open looks. Obviously, Cam missed a ton. Um, but just in general, we, we, we had a lot of clean looks, open looks in that first quarter. It's a high-scoring game both ways. We, we couldn't keep up because we missed some of those opportunities, but we outscored them in the second, outscored them in the second half. Um, and, and I'm proud of our guys. I just think they're competing. I really do. I think they're competing. I think uh, you know DeAndre played 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. Did an outstanding job defending James, um, you know, and to come come back from what he had to go through with Houston defending him um, shows the growth we're looking for with, the, with these young guys. It's playing one time and, and it's going to be tough. How do you adjust the second time? And you know, now you have a little bit of a game plan going into it the third and the fourth time. And I think sometimes those things get overlooked. I think it's the uh, the maturation process. Um, and sometimes the second time is the one where you really learn. Sometimes you get burned the second time you go against a guy like that. But it's understanding. It's having a game plan. I ask guys all the time, what's your, what's your game plan in an ISO? How are you going to defend James? And, you know, a lot of guys don't have answers. And I think we're starting to figure out answers to some of the questions I'm trying to ask these guys going into it. They play them the second and third times. And that's, you know, I know the question will probably come up, you know, what do you think of your defense? When you think of your defense, you think of, well, what do we learn from this time that we didn't know the first time? And then what are we going to learn after this that may apply to the next game or a different opponent? But just in general, I thought our game plan from the first quarter on was really good, and that's why we were back in the game. So you hear there from Pierce a lot of different topics, which we'll dive into here, but I thought it was uh, good to hear all in one place from the head coach and just see how he saw the game itself. But uh, early on in this game, Interesting stuff. The first quarter was kind of a disaster on the scoreboard. And uh, spoiler alert here, the Hawks actually outscored the Rockets in all three of the second, third, and fourth quarters. So it was basically the first quarter that cost the Hawks this game in theory here. And uh, the Hawks did start small, as I said before. I actually kind of called that early in the day on Wednesday. Um, it was basically a couple of options that Will Pierce had. They, they, can go, they can go small. They can go with Damian Jones at center. Maybe Alex Lynn if they would decide to change their mind on that, on that front. But I thought they were going to want Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish to guard James Harden, which was going to be the case early on. And actually... In the first couple of minutes, it actually went pretty well. Um, Harden was uh, very good in the first quarter overall, but Reddish had a nice block shot on a step back three. I thought he was pretty active uh, around around him defensively in the, in, the, in the first quarter of this game. But the rest of the time, uh, Houston sort of established themselves in a big way, and not much else went right other than Cam's uh, pretty good defense in the first few minutes with a 12-4 run from Houston to open the game, and then a technical foul on Trey Young as well with some frustration in the early going. There was an 8-0 run by the Hawks to tie the game after that that featured a Collins dunk and a nice block at the rim from Collins with a back with a behind-the-back pass from Kevin Herter. But from that point forward, it was all Rockets in the rest of the first quarter. Um, there was a uh, timeout from Lloyd Pierce that he was absolutely livid after a complete defensive breakdown that allowed Capella multiple times at the rim to score. That set him off in a big way, and then Houston pushed the lead up to 15 with an 18-5 to run. And then uh, even after that, Trae Young had a sit, and that actually made things even worse. The Hawks allowed 45 points in the first quarter, which was a season high, uh, and not in a good way. It allowed in the first quarter, the Rockets shot 64% from the floor. 50% from three and had 13 made free throws in the first quarter. That was kind of brutal. Um, and at, at, that, at that point in time, by the way, going back to the first meeting, James Harden had 82 points in a four-quarter sample against the Hawks. So that is uh, ridiculous. He had 22 in the first quarter of this game. He always slowed down, which is good, and we'll, we'll talk about that later on. 
but the Rockets had a offensive rating about 160 in the first quarter, and you're going to lose if that happens. Um, yeah, obviously. Um, but again, the rest of the game was pretty positive for Atlanta. Um, it, it took a second though because the, the Rockets actually went up by 22 in the early part of the second quarter after a 10-4 run, a couple of breakdowns defensively, including one bad one by John Collins. They actually got Paul Watson, the 10-day contract guy, to check in the game for the first time after a timeout. And then, honestly, down 22 early in the second with Paul Watson on the court, you would have thought this game was going to be a very, very long shot to be competitive even, much less have the Hawks win it. But it was basically all Hawks from that point forward. Um, there was one bad stretch by Cam Reddish, and really it was the entire first half. But he was basically just not being guarded. Even Lloyd Pierce, as you heard uh, in the audio, I think earlier, if, if not that not that, you, that he, he definitely said this, but um, Reddish was not, you know, not able to make shots in this game. Uh, he was he was basically getting the Andre Robertson treatment is the way I would describe that. If you don't know that, um, it, Oklahoma City Thunder had a forward named Andre Robertson who's a great defensive player, but he's just not guarded really offensively because he's not a good shooter in any way, shape, or form. He is worse than Cam, just to be fair, but Cam was not being guarded in this game. It was James Harden sort of guarding him, quote-unquote, but uh, playing off him in a big way. He started, Cam started one of seven in this spot, had a bad air ball, and uh, just not being respected in any way with, as a shooter. He did make one after the half, but uh, yeah, just kind of a rough stint for him offensively in that, in that spot as things were sort of coming downhill. But the Hawks did a pretty good job from that point forward with uh, actually went to a two big lineup with Alex Lynn and John Collins for the first time midway through the second quarter, and that actually had some good results, as Pierce was saying after the game as well. He referenced that, just saying that they were actually a little bit better with a big lineup than a small lineup in this game, and that is back up by the numbers. Young hit a pair of threes to cut, to cut the lead down to 19, prompted a timeout, and then actually had 10 straight points overall later on with Trey Young. And then a three by Allen Crabb to get, to get it down to 14. Um, pretty rough from Bembry, I thought, for a second there, but uh, good, good to see the Hawks bounce back a little bit. And then a buzzer being three from Allen Crabb. Got the lead down to 15 at the half. So even with that said, you know, down 15 at the half seems like an uphill battle against the Rockets, to be sure. But they won, they won the second quarter. Trey had 21 at the half, 15 and 10 for Collins at the half. And they did a much better job defensively in the second quarter. With that definitely carried on to the second half of this game, which the Hawks also won in a big way. A nice three by Cam Reddish on the first trip of the third quarter. That was his only made three of the game. He was one of seven from three in this game. Uh, but actually had a nice layup as well. Scored the first five points for the Hawks and led them to a 7-2 start to get back within 10 in the third. Um, but did take him out quickly after that, though, because he, he missed a couple more shots. And uh, then went to Alan Crabb. I didn't see, didn't, see, didn't see a whole lot more reddish in this game. He did come back in for a brief stint, but uh, not, not too much of him because they just couldn't keep keep playing him offensively, frankly. Um, after a technical foul on James Harden, he missed both free throws, actually. And then after a Collins dunk and a Crabb three, it's 87-83, which is a huge swing in the game from down, from down 22 to down four in about a quarter's time. A nice little run there for the Hawks. A 21-10 overall start in the third quarter with the Rockets only scoring 10. 10 points in about eight and a half minutes. They were 419 from the floor in the uh, third quarter um, at that point in time. And uh, for the entire second half of this game, the Rockets shot less than 30% from the floor. Um, they just stopped scoring. And part of that was Atlanta's defense improving. Part of that was just Houston missing shots. But there you go on that. Um, a bit of a strange choice at the end of the third quarter, going to Damian Jones, ice cold. The Hawks had to do something different with their rotations because of the way that things actually had, had, had shifted where they decided to lean a little bit more on Lynn and Collins together. That opened up a uh, at least one stint where they had to go do something different. They went with Damian Jones. He had not played the entire game. Kind of a bizarre choice. I understand it somewhat, but they uh, basically put Damian in in place of Vince Carter's spot in the rotation for that, one, for that one trip. And then uh, during that time, the Rockets went on a 12-2 run. Now, uh... It was a brutal lineup overall. You have Crab, you have Goodwin and Jones on the court all together at that point in time. Um, they just couldn't 
score at all. There were you know two points in the last few minutes of that run, about three and a half minutes there. The Rockets hit four threes. Uh, it was not all Damian Jones' fault, but he was minus 10 in that stretch. It was the only stretch of the game. Then uh, What he wasn't doing was showing on shooters, and that allowed the Rockets to get settled in, making four threes. So it was a, it was a sort of a confluence of errors, but uh, Jones was a part of it, and uh, that ended up being a big swing in the game. Pierce talked about that even, I think, more than once after the game, just how the third quarter, at the end of the third quarter, sort of let them down. They closed the gap, though, in the fourth getting back into it in a hurry behind Trey Young, uh, scoring fast and furious in the, in the fourth quarter. But still, that swing at the end of the third was big because it made the Hawks' life harder in the fourth quarter, and they were never able to get over the hump. And by the way, spoiler alert here, the Hawks never let in this game. Um, they had it close a few, a few different times here. As we fast forward into the fourth quarter, they actually got down by by, by 13 um, early on in the fourth. But from there, that nice little run. Um, we got a dunk from Alex Lynn, got a couple free throws from Trey Young and then uh, a corner three, and then a three-point play from Alex Land to get it to 108-103. That was sort of the big swing for the Hawks to get it from 13 down to eight in a hurry. Um, then Trey Young got, got going again. About five minutes to go, he and Collins came back in the game together, and uh, that was big for the offense. Uh, a couple of traded baskets. There was one instance in crunch time where the Hawks had a shot in the air to tie the game. They were down three. DeAndre Hunter got a kickout, got a kickout pass from Trey Young, had a, had a corner three in the air to tie it, missed it. Then Collins got called for what was a very questionable loose ball foul, to say the least. I thought it was not a foul on Collins, just kind of a bizarre decision and a bit bizarre call there from the referees. Um, but Pierce only had one timeout remaining, so if he, if he elected to challenge that and lost, he'd have no more timeouts, which would have been uh, disastrous. So I, I, know, I know why he didn't challenge, but that was a brutal one towards Houston in terms of the officiating. Tucker made both to go up by five, um, and then Lenga called for an offensive foul on the next trip, which would have been an and one if he was uh, – not call for the charge. I thought it actually was a charge. That, that that call was much more defensible than the Collins call. To to be to be fair, um, but the next trip the Hawks uh, did close it at gap a little bit more because they uh, got a miss three from Harden and then Herder rattles in a mid ranger to go down by three with two and a half minutes to go. That was as close as the Hawks got though because then Eric Gordon hit a three to go go up by six. That was probably the biggest shot of the game um, for Houston. Then Trey misses a deep one. They actually got a stop from Harden missing. But then Herder threw the ball away. There was a timeout down six with 142 to go. Houston then scored to go up by eight. The Hawks did get back to six a couple different times and got, got it down to four a couple times in the final minutes. Um, but um, after a, a deep ball three from Trey Young missed when the Hawks were down by four or five, that was pretty much the end of the game. Hawks down, did, Hawks did, did get the ball back, down five with 20 seconds to go. Len got fouled by Gordon, actually made both, so got back within three but um, with 18 seconds to go. But it took, an, it took eight full seconds to foul, down three, and it was an auto foul situation. They absolutely had to foul. It took way too long to do that. Harden, Harden made both free throws and then uh, down by five. That's pretty much the end of the game. And then when Len missed a three, it was officially over, and the Hawks settled into a seven-point loss. So, you know, having a shot in the air to tie the game in the fourth quarter after being down 22 is a pretty nice statement, honestly, for the Hawks. And it seemed like Pierce was pretty encouraged with, with the way that they were able to play um, in the comeback. I thought it was noteworthy that Reddish didn't play most of crunch time. He, they brought him in for defense only at one point in the final minute when the game was almost over already, but they went to Hunter. And I will say Hunter was actually quite good defensively on James Harden. Um, in the first game, Hunter was basically embarrassed by Harden. I thought Hunter was basically unplayable defensively against Harden, which might have which might have led. Uh, Pierce did not say this, but I'm going to guess a little bit here. That, that might have led to them going small and going with Reddish more often in this game because it was basically Reddish and Bembry in the first half and then Hunter more in the second half. Um, Hunter, Hunter did a much better job, and uh, Pierce, did, Pierce did see um, did seem much more positive about that defensive performance from Hunter to do a good job in the second half. And again, the Hawks, did, the Hawks defense held the Rockets firmly in check after halftime. Part of that is Houston. Part of that is Atlanta's defense being better. So that's uh, worth pointing out over and over again here. 
Um, big picture stuff before we get to the uh, individual portion of the podcast. The Hawks offense um, ended up with kind of with. I would say pretty decent numbers, a 108 offensive rating, which is good enough to win. It's probably better than the Hawks are normally as a baseline. They shot 37% from the floor and 29% from three, though. Got to the line 27 times, made 24 of them, only 11 turnovers and a pretty fast-paced game. So a lot of you know pluses and minuses here, but they did enough to win offensively, to be sure, for the full game anyway. But defensively, it was a 115 defensive rating, which looks bad and is bad. But after the first quarter, they were probably you know as good as they've been all year in terms of just the defending a quality offense and doing doing a good job in limiting possessions, et cetera, et cetera. So um, 115 looks bad, but I think the last three quarters were actually pretty impressive uh, defensively for the Hawks in this game, and uh, you know that's worth pointing out. Okay, we'll transition a little bit here to the individual portion of the game. We'll go a little bit faster than we normally would, I think, uh, at this point in time. But um, pretty interesting. Um, this is the first time in NBA history that a pair of players in the same game had 40-point triple-doubles. Trey Young had one. James Harden had one. We'll talk about Trey later, but I wanted to point that out, make sure I didn't forget it. Um, NBA history was made in this game. Uh, pretty interesting on that front. Uh, individually, we will talk to uh, – yeah, we'll go to the bench first. Paul Watson, four minutes. Um, missed his only shot attempt. Well, that was actually plus two, but I had a feeling that he was going to play at some point. I was talking to Kevin Schnard at Fox.com about that coming into the game. And Watson got a look. It wasn't bad. He actually got two, two short stints – and they were separated, so it wasn't like he only, only played once. Didn't do too much there, but it didn't, didn't embarrass himself either. Bembry only played nine minutes and was pretty ineffective. One section on the floor, I thought it was pretty bad from him, all things considered. Had five fouls. And Pierce did credit Bembry with some good defense on Harden. I would probably agree with, agree with that, but offensively it was kind of a mess from DeAndre, and the fouls were uh, not great either. As I said before, Damian Jones only had the one stint, did not attempt a shot, had one block, which was nice to see, but no rebounds, was minus 10, and that's... Yeah, it's brutal. Um, Vince Carter didn't play a ton either. Only one shot attempt. Did not have a single rebound, assist, steal, or block. Had two fouls. Was plus one, but uh, pretty much a non-factor in the minutes that he played. Brandon Goodwin had some um, regression in this game, I thought, a little bit. He did make two threes, which is worth pointing out. Didn't think he was great. And by the way, the Hawks were plus four with Trey Young and minus 11 without him in this game. That is telling in a lot of ways. It was not all Goodwin being bad, but he was not as good as he's been uh, in recent days. Alan Crabb made three threes, didn't do too much else, but that, that's why he's out there on the court, and he provided the spacing that they wanted from him. Alex Lynn was very good, again, in this game. Um, it was definitely a game plan thing where it was not, not, not the best matchup in the world for Alex Lynn, and it, when they were, going, they were going small, the Rockets played seven guys, and really, sorry, played eight guys, only, really only played seven guys, because Isaiah Hartenstein played four minutes. And um, when Capella left the court, it was basically P.J. Tucker at center, which means Len's in a bad spot defensively. So I know why he wasn't you know, a prominent part of the game plan, but he just played himself under the court late in the game. Played a ton of minutes in the second half. Played very well. 14 points, 10 rebounds for Len. 5-10 from the floor, 4-5 from the free throw line. Did miss his only two three-point attempts, but you know, a double-double for Len off the bench. And he was plus 13, by the way. By far the best plus-minus on the team. It's not, only, it's not always uh, indicative, but I thought it was pretty indicative in this game. Len was good. And uh, yeah, there you go on that. He's usually good, and he was good in this game. To the starters, briefly, um, the, the wings, that were, the rookie wings, I should say, uh, struggled to shoot it in this game. Combined, Hunter and Reddish were 5-19 from the floor and 2 of 12 from 3. That is rough. As I mentioned before, Reddish's offense was just brutal in this game. 3 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3, and basically just not being guarded. It really hurt the Hawks' offense throughout this game. Defensively, I thought he did a pretty good job on Harden, and that's worth pointing out. I think his defense has been good all season long, but um, you know, kind of that Jekyll and Hyde act with, with Reddish in this spot. Hunter was not great, I didn't think, in this game, but defensively in the second half, he was key, was key I thought. Uh, five points, two rebounds, and two assists for DeAndre in 26 minutes of play. Two of eight from the floor, one of five from three. So uh, good on him for 
I guess, creating more defensively and doing a little bit better job than uh, he normally does on Harden anyway, <laughs> given the one-game sample. But I thought he played well in the second half despite the lack of offensive numbers. Um, the other guys, the big three, so to speak, for the offense. Uh, Kevin Herter was a little bit quieter in this game. 11 points, though. Six rebounds, four assists, and a steal. He's four ten from the floor, one of three from three. Kevin was fine. He wasn't as good as he's been the last three or four games before this, but I thought he wasn't actively bad either. He was just kind of an okay game for Herter. Uh, Collins had a double-double in the first half. Wasn't quite as good after halftime offensively, but they finished with 17 points, 14 rebounds, and four block shots. I think his weak side help defense was very good in this game. I think his on-ball and the pick-and-roll defense was not as good and uh, kind of had a couple of noteworthy breakdowns in this spot defensively. It's going to happen against James Harden. It's a pretty tough, pretty tough assignment, but I thought it was, uh, there, was some, there was some good, some bad from John. Still uh, very effective, and the Hawks needed him, obviously, in this spot, and he played well on the whole. And then Trey Young was fantastic, despite not shooting the ball well. And that, that, that's possible to do. Trey was 11 of 30 from the floor. So I think, I'm sure people are going point, to point to that number and say, you know, he didn't shoot it well. Obviously not. He was 4 of 11 from the three, which is actually just fine. Um, that's about 36% from the three. That's, that's a perfectly acceptable number, of course. And the, the field goal shooting, you know, 7 of 19 from two-point range is very bad. But got to the line 18 times, 16 of 18 from the floor, uh, from the free throw line, I should say, and was still re reasonably efficient on the way to 42 points because of the free throw shooting and the foul drawing. Did have 10 assists as well, 13 rebounds. Um, you know, triple-double is what it is, but uh, I thought he was very effective offensively in this game. Defensively, I said this early on, and it was definitely proving to be true. Um, anytime he switched on to Harden, it was just basically a lost cause. But, you know, Harden, uh, actually, Trey's defense in the second half was actually pretty notably better. It wasn't incredible or anything like that, but after a rough first quarter for him and everybody else, I thought he actually did help them, um, at least comparatively, in the, in, in the second half defensively. So good on Trey for uh, playing, um, obviously, pretty well in this game, despite the fact that he missed 19 shots. It's, it's going to happen, and Pierce said this after the game, but he was, he was kind of prompted about the officiating and um, said, you know, listen, they're not, he tried to stop, not, not to complain too much about Harden's calls. Obviously, Harden got a lot of calls in this game. Harden took 23 free throws in this game, but Pierce did acknowledge that Trey gets a lot of calls as well, so you, you don't, you don't want to complain too much about that because Young has – he's not Harden, obviously, but he's one of the most – one of the more prolific foul drawers in the NBA. So kind of a give and take on that one. And uh, I think the Hawks will probably be okay with the way the game was officiated, barring the Collins, uh, the Collins foul was bad. Uh, but everything else was not too, too terrible in this spot. So again, you know, the last three quarters were, were won by the Hawks. After the halftime break, the Rockets were 45 points. The, Haw the Rockets were 45 points in the first quarter and 45 points in the entire second half. So, you know, if the game started after the... Uh, especially after about the three-minute mark of the second quarter. The Hawks would have won it pretty easily, and the Hawks won the entire last three quarters pretty easily in this game. But alas, all four, all four quarters count, so uh, a lot of hot and cold here. And I, I do think, though, the Hawks were respectable. They actually covered the spread at the end of this game, which is uh, usually a pretty, pretty good indication that the Hawks played decently well here, but still falling to 8-30. and 30. That's unsightly. Um, you can't be upset too much about losing to the to the Nuggets and Rockets in competitive fashion. Those are two very good basketball teams. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, not a bad loss, not a great performance either, but certainly a respectable one um, after the first quarter in this game. So looking ahead a little bit, the Hawks return to action on Friday in the nation's capital with a matchup against the Wizards. Wizards are uh, very beatable, I will say, on the road, even for the Hawks, um, who have not been great, great away from San Francisco Marina this year. The Hawks can certainly win that game. Um, and we'll see how they look in that spot. As I said before, briefly, I do have a plan to have a mailbag kind of podcast dropping on Thursday evening into Friday morning. Subscribe now. Make sure you don't miss that one. I'm actually going to be traveling over the weekend, so we, I'm probably going to skip the episode on Friday night and kind of combine Friday Friday night's game and Sunday night's game. I, I don't like I don't love to do that, but because I'm traveling logistically, it's going to be uh, probably the best course of action. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of an extra show on Thursday night into Friday morning with a mailbag. So if you've got more questions, get them in. I have a few selected already that I'm going to use. So 
There you go on that. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Rolling. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Thanks for listening as always, everybody. And we will see everybody in about 24 hours from now.